it doesn't matter about the business. You are your greatest asset. It's not going to be some business asset. It's going to be you. So at the end of the day, you need to take care of you and not worry about, I lost this much money. Like, no, that's not really what's important. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Greetings to you, and thanks for joining me for episode 65 of A Congruent Life. My name is Andy Gray, and it's my honor to share stories of authenticity and reinvention with you, and have you join me for some conversations with some pretty inspiring people who live their lives with authenticity and congruence. Today, I'm glad to share with the A Congruent Life community a conversation with Tara Byrne. Tara is a serial entrepreneur who had some unique unschooling educational experiences, and is the founder of Under 30 Changemakers, a support network for young entrepreneurs. Here's our conversation. I'm talking today to Tara Byrne, who is the founder of an organization called Under 30 Changemakers. Tara, welcome to A Congruent Life. Hi, Andy. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining. It's been great to get to know you a little bit. We had a fantastic time in Fargo, North Dakota recently at the Misfit Con. Yes, that's I ended up staying in. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a really great time there where we got to meet a ton of really interesting creative misfits from around the world. And actually what you just said is an interesting thing as well. When, when we were in Fargo together, you were planning on moving on. I think you were headed to Chicago, I believe, in the next few days, but something changed your mind. Yes. Uh, I think my life path changed my mind. It was almost felt out of my control. Something I had to do was just stay here and see where it took me. Interesting. Interesting. So what was it that, that caused you to make that decision and, and what are you up to in Fargo? Uh, <laughs> a very interesting. Um, so I was here for Misfit Con and on the last day that I was here, I just got out in the morning and started walking around downtown Fargo. And the first day I was here, I tried, to, <laughs> I tried to break into this church, but it was closed. I just, they didn't, um, it was completely closed up. And I happened to be walking around on a Sunday uh, on the last day that I was supposed to be here. And it was open because it's a church and churches are open on Sundays. And I walk in and I see this woman and we just started chatting and she was just so kind to me. She was the, the lady who gives out all of the service material. And we just I don't know, like we I just started talking about her life and she asked me about mine. I told her I was from New York. I told her I was planning on going back, but when I went to hug her, something told me, or I kind of just felt like I will see her again, and I said, I look forward to seeing you soon, and she looked at me really funny because I was just about to leave, and a few a few hours after that, I met Nicole Ray, artist Nicole Ray, and she is the person who I'm staying with now, and as soon as we talked, we just hit it off. We connected so in instantly. And 
it was like I was just meant to stay here. It just wasn't on. <laughs> it just wasn't in in on the plan to go off to Chicago and do whatever it was that I was going to do there because I didn't have a set plan there either. So when I met the people in Misfit, I kept thinking, oh, it'd be so cool to stay here. But it was just really cool to meet someone and get to know that this is a place where you can be welcome no matter where you're coming from. And for me, I'm kind of, I'm, I definitely fall into the category of a misfit. So it's really great to be among other misfits in a place. What a great story. Both just the serendipity of the way that that worked out, but also the fact that your life is constructed in such a way that you could make that impromptu decision to just stay where you were and to follow where you felt the tug of your heart. Yeah. And I feel like I've done that for a lot of the places I've been in, but for this particular place, it was, um, I had a train to go to Chicago and I was thinking, I was thinking up until the very last second it left, you know, should I get on it? Should I get on it? And I just let it pass. I was, I was here where I am now with Nicole and we just kind of looked at each other and said, like, I'm just meant to be here. So you said a moment ago that you're a misfit and you are enjoying hanging out with other misfits. Yes. What do you mean by that? What do, what do you mean that you're a misfit? Ah, uh, my. <laughs> so the the community I run, we call them millennial misfits because we look for people who are coming from the very ends of different spectrums. Kind of like uh, really, we look for dualities. So people on who have dropped out or have gone to Ivy Leagues. In my case, I uh, skipped college. I decided early on that I didn't fit the traditional mold to be able to go to college because it's just not what I wanted to do. There was no, um, <laughs> there was no college degree on how to do cross-sector partnerships and just the way that I wanted to build organizations. It just wasn't, <laughs> it was just never supposed to be my path. And since then, I've kind of done things continuously that scared me to death. Just if something really scares me, I'll go after it. And I think that's what makes me a misfit. So can you tell us a little bit about that point in your life where you're basically, you were probably quote unquote, supposed to go to college at this point, And you had this wherewithal to say, wait a minute, this isn't quite what I want to do. Yeah, it's, it's funny. A lot of things came into my life during that time, because even taking a quote unquote gap year, uh, because I didn't actually say I wasn't going to go to college after I graduated high school, early, it was something like I just happened upon something called unschooling. And uh, do you know a little bit about unschooling? I do, in fact. Yes. Ah, okay. Well, but but <laughs> please explain it to our yeah, audience. Though. Yeah. Unschooling is the most freeing type of education that I've ever come across. You literally create your own curriculum based on your own heart's desires. And it's very intuitive. And especially for children who get drawn to different projects and different art, they can start to build an entire um, kind of like a business or a project or anything that, that they're interested in. They can build their own curriculum. So the idea behind it is that you will be able to have your science, math, and all of the other things that would normally be prescribed to a child as they have to learn it. But this child goes into a project fully and in turn, the uh, the parents aren't really the teachers, but the parents are more of the facilitators. So they'll guide the child upon whatever path that he or she is called upon. And then in turn, they'll also get mentors and teachers to help them on whatever it is that they're diving into. So 
there have been successful unschooling students going into um, <laughs> things like longevity labs, and often they'll travel to the places that they're learning from. So they'll travel to labs in Sweden, or they'll travel to um, a nonprofit and work there and do service work. And they will create whatever it is that they most need to find at that time. So if it's, um, in my case, I, I dated someone who was an unschooler through his, I think, middle school and his high school. And he was learning botany and his parents got him a, a, a teacher in, um, in plant science. And he took college level classes throughout what, what would have been his high school days. So it's just very um, self-directed. It's very unique to the child. And it's very, um, what would be, it's, it's just very um, intuitive. Like as you feel pushed to go in a certain direction, you just kind of go there. And it teaches that failure is often your greatest instructor. It's not, it's not the teacher around you saying, oh, you did, you did well here, or you, you, did, you didn't do well here. It's that you, you try so many different things, and you fill out them, and you learn from that, and that's kind of what pushes you forward. That's such an important lesson that it seems like we short-circuit through our traditional schooling systems about failure being such a great instructor. We're, we're not encouraged to fail in, in school, but boy, in life, it's certainly key. Yes. <laughs> yes. So at the time that I was wondering, should I go to college and taking this quote unquote gap year, I was trying a ton of things and I failed at all of them, <laughs> like really hardcore failed, like lost uh, all of my savings. I'd, I'd been working the summer and the year before and lost all of my savings on businesses that just did not do well, but they taught me a lot. What did they teach you? They taught me coding. I mean, if, if you want to talk hard skills, they taught me coding, they taught me um, design, they taught me they, but I think the most important lesson was they taught, taught me about people. They taught me that the people in an organization will always be the most important thing. It doesn't matter whether you have a great design, it doesn't matter if you have a, you know, a, a great slide deck or a, a great pitch. It's always going to be the people that come down to it. And it, it made me realize that community is going to be my path. So you spent all this time or this quote unquote gap year of trying these businesses. They didn't work out. Where did you go from there? Hmm. Trying to think. I, so I was very much enthralled with the idea of uh, unschooling through your higher education. And so I went to something called a grown unschoolers camp and it's called trailblazer gathering and it was just as as it sounds it's the gathering of grown unschoolers from all around the world coming in and I was there for five days and on that time on that on that um journey I met people who run mycelium institute Matthew Abrams and uh and Ashley his co-founder and I went to there just kind of piggybacked off of off of Trailblazer and immediately went into Compass Project, which was my feeling uh, first program. And that showed me what social entrepreneurship is. At the time, I had only known the tech world and learning that tech and business can be so meaningful really hit it off in my head on what it was that I could be contributing to. And also, why didn't my circles of people, people in the tech world, 
why didn't they know about what it meant to create a meaningful business and almost bake social issues and, and the solutions to those social issues into the businesses that they were creating. So that, and that entire experience, I think, was a huge pivotal moment in what I've learned so far. It, it taught me how to take responsibility for my life. I think that's the most important thing it taught me. There was a woman there who, uh, who um, does the blueprint of we, and she told me, I, I remember she had, uh, I forgot, she had some sort of lung disease, and, she, and at the time I was struggling with, I hadn't gotten diagnosed with what I have. I have a chronic disability called osteoarthrostatic tachycardia syndrome, and she had something um, where she only had 10% of her lung capacity, and they had told her that she wouldn't live past a year, and it's been 10 years since she's gotten that diagnosis. And she, I remember she took my hand, she looked me in the eye, and she told me, whatever someone does or says about you is 100% about them. And although that, that can be that can be considered as, oh, well, like, I can blame them for things. But it actually gave me a lot of freedom on that. That means the same about me. Whatever I do or say to someone else is 100% about me. And it almost gave me the permission to start taking responsibility for all of my thoughts, all of my actions, and what I allowed into my life. I think that was the biggest thing that that, uh, that <laughs> those five days really taught me is I will be the artist or the author of my own life and whatever I let into my own life is entirely upon me. How old were you when you had these insights? I was 18 when I went into this program. I uh, actually, I think I had just turned 18. That's a remarkably mature insight for someone with so little life experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very, very true. That's something that many people don't get to in their lifetimes, you know, let alone at 18 to say, I'm the architect of my life. I'm going to go in a direction that I feel called to go in. And it's my responsibility to make that work. So many people get stuck into victim mentalities or I have no control or it's somebody else's problem or the government's problem or whatever. But to, to take on that responsibility at 18 is, is pretty remarkable. Thank you. I... <laughs> I, I actually something that I think has guided me throughout uh, building under 30 change makers is it, it also gives me a responsibility to the, the very young people that I deal with on a daily basis that whatever I do or, or say directly affects them. So what happened after these pivotal five days? How, how did you take that insight and let that guide your path from there? Well, I continued to fail pretty remarkably. Uh, so I think it was two weeks after that, I I went home because I was still living at home. Um, I had been planning to move into New York City after on that summer, and I got home. And I think it was a week or two weeks after, my mom <laughs> looked me in the eye and she said, I don't know who you are anymore. And she kicked me out of the house. And after that, I stayed with my dad for a little bit. Um, but what I knew that I wanted to do at that point was I really needed to get back to Asheville, North Carolina, which was where Trailblazer and Mycelium had had their programs. And so there was this <laughs> program going on called uh, Black Mountain Soul. And it was a 
exactly what I wanted, actually. It was a MOOC college, so massive online open courseware, and you could entirely construct your curriculum. And it failed pretty spectacularly within three months. Um, I went there September to November, and <laughs> I had a lot of really interesting experiences and a lot of different insights on what it takes and how hard it is, how incredibly difficult it is. I have a lot of empathy for the people who ran that program to build and sustain a business. It's not easy uh, at all. And especially when you have 30 people there who are depending upon you to meet their expectations and meet their needs as people. And it's also co-living is very difficult. It, that also wasn't the only co-living space I lived in. So it's uh, so that that taught me a lot. I went to Asheville Startup Weekend, and at the time I was still doing tech-related stuff. I hadn't really gotten into social entrepreneurship yet, and I was didn't really know where under thirty changemakers was going to go. It it really could have gone in a few different directions. It wasn't originally uh, going to go the way of social entrepreneurship, but as I got to learn more about what social entrepreneurship could be, I started looking into um, different volunteer programs and different nonprofits. And I knew a little bit about the nonprofit world, but I didn't, I hadn't really gotten my hands fully into it. So I just tried a bunch of stuff. Like I think I, I tried a YouTube extension to donate to YouTube stars. I, um, I started a ton of nonprofits. I started a, um, a, a homeschooling social network, um, <laughs> just like <laughs> across the board, just, started stuff and then it just didn't work and then started stuff didn't work. I did not expect under 30 to, because it was just this Facebook group. I didn't expect that to be the thing that actually sustained itself and took off. <laughs> Looking back on it, actually, it's, uh, it's pretty funny that that was the one thing that did. I just, it's just something that I never really expected. I put my time into it, but it's just not what, what should, what, I guess it, it's kind of saying like, it's not what should have taken off just the other things that I was doing just supposedly the societally should have taken it off it's taken off but it just um it just wasn't the right time for things and that was the one thing that was meant to be I think that's a really interesting point actually that you were you were trying all of these things and the ones that quote unquote should have worked didn't and vice versa the one that ended up sticking was perhaps if you had looked back on or looked forward analytically might have been the least promising from a viability perspective yes it was the very the very last thing i would have expected i mean the other things i had mentorship on some of them i had a little bit of capital on i had uh, a lot of work put into them i had teams for the other ones i did not have a team for under 30 until just this last year so it just it just wasn't supposed to be that one, and yet it was. So, what are you feeling during this time? You're having all these all these businesses that are are not successful in the way that you expected them to be. Were you feeling discouraged? Were you feeling I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But <laughs> what was kind of going through your through your mind at that point? Uh, there were a lot of emotions with starting things that you really put your heart into, and then seeing them not work out. Uh, I learned non-attachment at a certain point, uh, which is something that I kind of practice in under 30 now because we have our own mini projects going on there. So I 
try not to get too attached or as attached as I used to be to certain projects. Uh, some of them I just I got so attached to that when they didn't work out, especially beginning, I was just crushed. There was this one project where I wanted to do a care package for college students. And then a portion of the proceeds would go to a nonprofit every month. And I was so attached to that idea that when it didn't happen, I just couldn't even start anything else for a few months because it's like my baby had died. It was, <laughs> it was just so attached to having that work out. And, um, and it also taught me what it means to quit. And also quitting is not giving up. That was a really big lesson that I learned through all of that. I think, I think it was just a really great, at the end of the day, it was a great instructor. I don't think I would have the wherewithal within the startup world or the social entrepreneurial world to know, um, to look at other businesses and then to see the capacity that it has to make change not only on the people around it but also on the person that's actually doing it it taught me a lot about purpose and why that why behind whatever it is that you're doing is so important but if you don't have it that project will die yeah it's, it's interesting to think about now though I I think that a lot of my ideas behind it and the lessons I've learned have evolved if you'd asked me this last year I think I would have a totally different answer yeah, it sounds like there's certainly a lot of richness there for sure for you. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you said about quitting is not giving up? Uh, uh, so at, when I when I first started um, with, I think it was the, when I ended the homeschooling social network, I had put in uh, $1,200. It was the first time I had actually put in my own capital into a project because I believed in it so much. And when I quit it, it felt like I was giving up. It felt like I had failed in some ways. I had failed myself. And I had, uh, because, I mean, really, I had lost all this money. If you're going to be real about it, you have lost things. You've lost your time. You've lost your uh, credibility sometimes. And it's, Actually, I think it's a great sign of courage to be able to look at something and to know that it's run its course, a relationship, a, you know, whatever. I, th I think in the case of business, it's, it's really, uh, I have a lot of, I admire people who are able to look at something, especially quickly, because, because when, when you've failed at a lot of things, you learn that like at a certain point it's over <laughs> and it gets quicker and quicker, uh, that it just, isn't meant to be so you learn how to surrender and I think you have to do that in any business no, no matter whether it's a project or the entire thing uh, to know when goodbye is goodbye <laughs> and to, to go on from there it comes back to that piece of non-attachment again of knowing what the appropriate lifetime of a project is and, and not taking that, you know, any sort of judgment from that personally. Yeah. And I, I, I actually, I read about non-attachment in many different forms with entrepreneurs. Like Ryan Holiday talks about stoicism a lot. And have you read any of his stuff? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that resonates with me so much. I've read the meditations by Marcus Aurelius and I've read a few other books on stoicism and, I think 
you're going to get hurt no matter what emotionally, but to know that it doesn't, that your emotions aren't you, I guess, like, like, although you can feel crushed, it's, it's still important to keep your create creativity on. Um, sometimes, especially in the beginning when I started failing, my creativity was just blown when I felt like I had failed myself and knowing that moving on meant to rebuild that you got stronger every time. It's almost like, um, uh, Nassim Taleb's anti-fragile. Every time you break a bone, it becomes stronger. I think that when you fail so many times, you become stronger. And no matter what, it doesn't matter about the business. You are your greatest asset. It's not going to be some, some, you know, business asset. It's going to be you. So at the end of the day, you need to take care of you and not worry about, you know, oh, I've lost, I lost this much money. Like, no, that's not really what's important. So through this process, the thing that you least expected to stick ended up sticking. Tell us a little more about Under 30 Changemakers and and what you're trying to accomplish with that project. Yes. Uh, Under 30 Changemakers is constantly evolving. I, I actually, I had a pretty vulnerable conversation back in December with someone on my team who took a Skype call with me. It was very... It's probably one of the most difficult conversations I've had in the past few years where he said, I don't think you know exactly what your story of purpose is. And he was so incredibly right because up until that point in my life, I had made my story of purpose around my family. Uh, it was entirely, I'll meet this benchmark and then be able to help my sister or I'll help my dad or I'll help my brother. And my purpose was always tied to someone else and it was never tied to um, the things that I was doing. So under 30 change makers was kind of something that just kind of like carried along with me throughout the years. And it wasn't until I think December that we really came into the conclusion that this was something that we had to start putting our time and it's also full time work into because there was, there were just too many moving parts parts going on uh, to be able to sustain it, just growing on its own. And under 30 Changemakers, the purpose of it became that social entrepreneurs have a tendency to change the things around them, but not change themselves. And this came to a head for me in my life, actually, kind of recently in January I had a falling out with my family and I haven't, uh, to be quite honest, I haven't spoken to most of them uh, since January. And I realized that up until that point, I had taken care of everyone else but myself. And so that is actually what created the purpose for Under 30 Changemakers. Under 30 Changemakers is for social entrepreneurs to support them in their mental and emotional well-being. It is not meant for just professional development, although we can help people connect to mentors. It is really meant to focus on you because when everyone else is focusing on everything else in the world, we want to be the people to say, at the end of the day, your measurement of impact is based almost entirely on how 
good your thoughts are on your actions, on your the life that you're leading. So we want people to have the best possible chance to make positive change. Because without those change makers, I think our next generation won't be <laughs> won't be saved. I mean, we have so many different problems going on in the world that if we don't have people choosing love over so many fear-based other options, then I don't think we're going to have as good of a chance. So what are some of the ways that you want to provide this support? Yeah, so we provide them through support groups. So we'll, the last one we had was over self-compassion. Uh, the next one that we're having is on self-sabotage. <laughs> some of them don't seem very uh, sexy, I guess. They don't seem like, oh, millennials, like, going to go talk about self-compassion. But it actually does appeal to a pretty wide audience, surprisingly a very male-based audience, uh, something that I don't really expect too much. And we go over things like, uh, also during our summit, half of it is solely based on uh, changing uh, your thoughts. So we talk a lot about nonviolent communication, things like choosing um, nonviolent communication. I'm trying to think of a way to explain that one. Uh, nonviolent communication is taking the right or wrong out of any kind of communication that you're having with someone, whether it's a coworker or whether it's a spouse. And you take away the judgment, um, the blame, the fear out of any kind of language that you have. So whether it is that you're copywriting or whether it is that you're um, talking to someone, it changes the way you think about yourself as well. It takes out words like, but um, it really focuses on the language that you're using. And nonviolent communications are really a powerful tool for sure. I certainly encourage people to check that out. So Tara, the, the purpose of this show, A Congruent Life, is about authenticity and reinvention. And we've been talking about some of those themes throughout your story, but kind of in the context of the work that you've done, what does living authentically or congruently mean to you? Authenticity to me means being in the stillness and having the courage to look at your own truth and know it for what it is. It means humility, understanding that you can't be up too high or down too low. You kind of have to get your, your ass to the ground and get to understand what it's like to not be special, not be um, better than anyone else. It's almost like uh, what I think about when I think about uh, compassion or self-compassion is everyone is equal. And I think authenticity is understanding and expressing who you are at your core, not even what you think you, not even who you think you are, but just something almost deeper inside of you being expressed fully and openly. And how does that relate to the work that you're doing in Under 30 Changemakers? Hmm, I think we always really try and show our authenticity as much as possible. We try and share the honest, fully honest truth, um, even when it hurts us, especially when it hurts us. Uh, we really want people to understand that we are human. <laughs> we make mistakes a lot, especially being young. 
And we want people to feel safe enough to do the same with us. Well, with the understanding that things can change quickly, like they did for you in Stain and Fargo, what's going on in your world right now? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, my mind for the past few months has constantly been on our summit, which is coming up in August, August 7th to 10th. And (laughs) all my days are devoted fully to that right now. It's uh, So half of it is going to be Connect Workshops, which are based around positive thinking habits and uh, positive actions for to like self-care and self-compassion and getting out of your own way in a lot of sense. And then the other half, which I'm super excited for as well, is since I did not go to college, I kind of thought, hey, why don't I kind of make my own college? So, so we're doing something called Changemaker University in the mornings, which will be a collection of alternative education programs from all over the country. It will be things like uh, Dev Boot Camp is coming in to give a coding class to we're getting uh, Athena Tech Academy to give a class on big data, which I'm super excited about, and to measuring your social impact. And then uh, Acumen will be coming in to do an introduction to social enterprise. So all of that I'm really excited for as, as we continue to expand on it and get closer to the date. I am just so excited to have people coming to that. How can our listeners engage with you, Tara? Uh, on Facebook. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to people and connecting with people on Facebook. And if you are under 30 and you are in or in or are interested in the social enterprise field, I would love to see an application and, uh, and talk to you about possibly becoming a change maker. We have uh, an an ongoing application process and anyone can apply who's under 30. If you are over 30, we are always looking for mentors. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity? Do what you're afraid to do right now. That would be my final thought. Right now. Right now. Right now. Something that you've been putting off. Well, Tara Byrne, it's been it's been great getting to know you. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, and thanks for spending this time with us on A Congruent Life. Thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Tara Byrne. The show notes for this episode are at acongruentlife.net slash 65 or acongruentlife.net slash Byrne, which is spelled B-Y-R-N-E. I had the honor this week of joining Bruce Langford on the Mindfulness Mode podcast, where we talked about mindfulness, vision quests, nature, men's work, and aluminum, among other topics. If you'd like to hear a conversation with me on the other side of the microphone, give it a listen. Bruce's podcast can be found at mindfulnessmode.com, or I created an easy landing page on the Aiken Grunt Life website, aikengruntlife.net slash mindfulnessmode. Thanks to those of you who have been supporting the show. I really appreciate your reviews and your emails, your inquiries, and thanks for sharing a congruent life with others. If you haven't already, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the show at acongruentlife.net slash iTunes or acongruentlife.net slash Stitcher. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to and supporting A Congruent Life. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at a congruent life.net. See you next time.